text. It's after Ephesians. Go a few pages and find the book of Hebrews. Hebrews is after all the T books. Thessalonians, Titus, Timothy, after those books. Then come up upon Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 is uh, where we're going to be. Now, I'll just go ahead. Most of you that know me, I generally preach a series of sermons that all tie together. And this week is no different. I will be preaching a series of sermons concerning this subject that we're going to look at. And I'll bring it up to you in just a bit. But uh, all of them connect and they all go together, and I'm telling you, it's incredible. If you, you got to come back tonight. Tonight, this morning, I'm just going to kind of open the window and look in there, and tonight, we're going to really get going, and you need to come tonight. It's really, really a blessing. It can be a big, big help to you. Ooh, then during the week, oh, mercy, uh, Tuesday night is the night I feel like you can't miss. Whatever you got to do to get here Tuesday, you don't want to miss Tuesday. It is as much, I've been preaching a long time, it's as much help, buoy, uh, uplifting, ah, I can do as Tuesday night. You don't want to miss Tuesday. Please do everything you can to come Tuesday night. Monday, it's really good to Wednesday, oh, honey, Wednesday, I know you want to be here for that one. Um, Wednesday, I'm going to talk about why bad things, why horrible things, why terrible things, why do they happen? What is God doing? That's Wednesday night. But Tuesday's the night you don't want to miss, okay? You've got to be sure you're here Tuesday. One other thing that I'll get going is that People will not come to this meeting. They will not. They will not come to this meeting if they don't know about it. If you don't tell them, they ain't coming. So you could like tell them about it. Beg them to come. Ask them to come. Pay them money. Try to get them to come. See what God could do in their hearts and lives. Hebrews chapter 12. If you're able, I'm going to ask you to stand with me. Now, I'm getting ready to read, but I need to make a comment to you. There's a little clock up here on this pulpit thing. It's blinking. It has a one, one, dot, dot, and it has a four, nine. If I understand clockage, it's like 11 minutes till noon. We ain't going to be done by noon. (laughs) I almost always preach a couple hours. (laughs) No, I I don't preach two hours. I promise. I promise. I do not. It just seemed like it. (laughs) It's like it's never going to end. I hope that you'll hang in here with me. Hebrews chapter 12. I ask people to stand just to remind us that we are supposed to, I believe we should give reverence. And we ought to honor the eternal, infallible, inerrant, it is the perfect, preserved Word of God. I think we ought to honor God's Word. Verse 1. Hebrews 12, verse 1. 
Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That's how far we'll read today. Let me have prayer with you, please. Our great God, I come to you again. Again, I want to say thank you. Thank you. I want to just rejoice in you and say hallelujah. Praise your name and say uh, glory, glory, glory to your name. You are worthy of our praise. And God, I thank you for the good music today that honors you and glorifies you. And thank you for the heartbeat of this place. And Lord, I pray that you will be honored. I, I believe that you already have been. And I pray that you would receive uh, our worship today and that we would honor you. I pray, I ask you to help me as a preacher. I do need help. I need power and unction and utterance to deliver, to preach your word. I ask for help. And God, I pray for all of us that each one of us would have a heart that's opened, ready to hear, willing to hear. I pray that our ears are ready, that we won't resist you. Jesus, if someone is here today that's not yet forgiven of their sin, they're not ready for eternity, Please touch them. Convince them. I pray today would be the day they'd be forgiven. And for those that know you, us that know you, I pray that you would touch us. God, we, we, we need a refreshing. We need a, a revival. I pray that you would do that. So we love you and thank you for loving us. And it's in the mighty and holy name of your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, that we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Leave your Bible open here. I want to do a little bit of work here. <clears throat> he uses the term, he says, Wherefore seem we are compassed about. It's like compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. It's like it's a stadium or some kind of arena. We have these witnesses all around us. So in the witness, then he says, You know, let us run the race patience that is set before us. You know, Christianity in the Bible, Christianity has lots of metaphors. If you don't know what a metaphor is, well, I looked it up. There's lots of metaphor. It's a word or it's a phrase that you would use in place of another word to help describe it, to help uh, people see it, to help them understand it better. I am a very, very visual person. If you hang out with me, if you hear me uh, preach or speak several times, you will find out that I am a visual person. I, I got to see it or I don't get it. My dad, uh, he was my preacher, but he also did carpentry work on the side. He would remodel bathrooms or kitchens and so on, remodel houses. And I would go help him often. And uh, my dad would say, okay, now boy, I want you to go in the bathroom in there. And I want you to grab hold of that thing and I'll put it on down, bring it down. And then, then when you get it done, I'll come in there. All right. I go in there and look at it and I'm going, I'm going to mess it up. And then dad is going to be mad. I don't know for sure what to do. I'd go back and say, uh, Dad, 
I, I'm not really sure what, I'm, what you want me to do. And he said this more than one time to me. Boy, I need to draw you a picture. <laughs> that would be a good idea. You draw me a picture, I know what to do. I'm a very, very visual person. And metaphors are, they become these little visuals to help us see things. Like a metaphor in the scripture, one metaphor concerning Christianity is that uh, we are all sheep. And we have a great shepherd. It doesn't mean we have four, four legs and we're growing wool. The pastor's got some new wool. I don't know about that, but anyway. Uh, that's a, it's just a metaphor, and he's telling us that as the shepherd, he wants to take care of the sheep, and the sheep are dependent. Is everybody with me? Another metaphor is uh, we're a building. He's the chief cornerstone, and we are like fitly framed together. It's, we're a building. Another metaphor it's used is we're like uh, soldiers. He's the captain, and we're not. Did you hear that? The private never tells the captain what to do. But we are soldiers, and we're supposed, we behave like soldiers sometimes. Uh, another time, he's the master, we're a slave. These metaphors are used to help us see the picture. In this text, there's a metaphor used concerning Christianity that it's like this big athletic event. There is a race taking place. And he says, let us... Run. Huh. Here's what I'm going to spend my time on this morning. Is who's us? Let us. You say, who's us? Well, in the scripture here, since it's a plural word here, we know that us, let us, includes whoever wrote it. Make sense? He's one of the us's. He's not saying, let y'all. Let us. So he's included. So who's the writer? I believe it to be the Apostle Paul. If you don't think it's the Apostle Paul, please don't be mad at me. Don't argue with me during the message. If I ever say, I'm the Apostle Paul, said, don't, please don't go, that's not Paul, it's, you know, Aquila. Well, okay, but just... Please, is that okay? I think it's the Apostle Paul. So, the writer is included, we know that. And then, we know who else is in it. It's like at the top of your book, it tells you who it was written to. Who was it written to? Hebrews. Hebrews is another word for Jew, to the Jews. Uh, It's another word for Israeli. So, these people of Israel, it's written to them. But now we got to get this in our head. Is every Jew a Hebrew? Uh, yeah. But is every Jew one of let us run? Is every Jew one of the us's? Uh, no, there's a qualification to be one of the us's. And so I want to show you the qualification. If you'll look with me, uh, turn, just go back in your Bible a couple pages to uh, chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. Then if, uh, uh, I'm sorry, it's not chapter 5, it's chapter 3. Sorry about that. We've got to do 3, and then we're going to do 5 in just a minute. 
You ready? Look at Hebrews chapter 3. Watch this. This is cool. Wherefore, holy brethren, stop right there. Stop, 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 stop. He says, he calls them holy brethren. Who, who is holy, brethren? Who is holy? Excuse me this minute, I don't know if you know your Bible very well or not, but according to the Bible, here's how you can say it. God's holy, you're not. Amen? We're not holy. And when Paul calls them holy, brethren, how did they get to be one of them their holy, brethren? How can anybody be holy that's not holy? Because we're all born sinners, so we're not born righteous, we're born unrighteous, we're born unholy. We're all sinners. But he called them holy brethren. How do you get to be one of them that are holy brethren? Well, it tells you in the next part of the verse. Look what it says. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. That's cool. Look up here. He says, you People that are holy brethren, the way you became one of the holy brethren is that you are a partaker. You received the heavenly calling. You were willing to receive and be a partaker of the heavenly calling. What's the heavenly calling? Well, Jesus said it like this. Whosoever will may come. Come unto me, all you that labor, Jesus says. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Somebody say amen. I'm just telling you that Jesus, the invitation is given by God that you can be a partaker of the heavenly calling. The heavenly calling is, hey, sinners, hey, unholy people, come over here and you can be forgiven and be one of the holy people. Wherefore, holy brethren, since it's in the Bible, some of you girls are going, what about us? Got the holy brethren. What about us sisterins? <laughs> In literature, we would should be aware anyway, the license of literature is that it's appropriate to use the male gender to be inclusive of everybody. So whenever you use the male gender, you're not leaving out the females, females. You're not leaving them out. They're included. So when he says, wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, hey, women's, if you've received, if you've been a partaker of the heavenly calling, you're one of the holy brethren too. Amen? Is everybody with me? Okay, here we go. Keep going. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. So the heavenly calling includes the high priests of our profession. What's our profession? Our profession is that Christ Jesus is the one that gave us the heavenly calling. Is everybody with me? So if you have received Christ to be your Savior, I can say it like this to you. You're one of us. No, no, I went too fast. Let us run with patience the race. And so us includes the writer, I believe to be the Apostle Paul. He's been a partaker of the heavenly calling. Let us, he wrote the book to the Hebrew people, but it's not every Jew that is in the race. You're in the race if you were willing to partake of the heavenly calling. I I believe, I'm certain that it not only includes Paul and the people of the Jewish persuasion, of the Jewish birth, it also includes us today. 
If you have received the heavenly calling, if you have received Christ Jesus to be your Savior, you're one of us too. I love it. So let us run. And so in the metaphor, if you've received Christ, you're supposed to be one of them people in the race too. Everybody with me? No. Here's how I say it. Whenever a person acknowledges they're a sinner and they believe Jesus Christ to be the Savior and they receive Christ to be their Savior, they are now, what happens is they get the jersey. They get the number. They're in the race. If you haven't received Christ, you don't have the jersey yet. But when you receive Christ, you get the jersey, you get the number, you're on the team. Let us run. Amen. But there's some more description of us that I want to do, and it's chapter 5, and I want to show it to you. Hebrews chapter 5, I want to give you some more description of uh, who us is. It's kind of an amazing thing. All right, uh, verse 1. He says, uh, for every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in the things pertaining to God that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sin. Now stop, stop. Sometimes us preachers read the verses and so on and we just assume everybody is going with us and paying attention. But we should wake up and realize many of you are not. So let's read it again. Let's talk about what he just said. Every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men and things pertaining to God. So watch, if someone's going to be a high priest, they take that person from men and they bring him up and now he is going to be a high priest for men and things pertaining to God. Okay, keep going. And then it says that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sin. So the priest is taken from among men, and now he's going to stand before God for men offer sacrifices. Look at verse 4. And no man taketh this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God, as was Aaron. Now watch, you don't get to stand up and go, hey, hey, I want to be a priest too. No, you don't get to just decide to be a priest, you need to be called of God. As was Aaron. Aaron was the first high priest, and he was called of God. And now look at verse number 5. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made a high priest, but he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. Look up here. Jesus did not come down here and go, Okay, I'm going to be the priest. No, he was called of God just like Aaron was. Is everybody with me? It just said that Christ did the very same thing. All right, now verse number 6. As he, as he saith also in another place, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now look up here. Jesus did not take the honor upon himself. You take him from among men, and he becomes the priest that sacrifices. He stands before God for men. And Jesus didn't take the honor to himself. He was called of God. And then it says, he's kind of like the priest after the order of Melchizedek. Now, if you don't know who Melchizedek is, that's okie dokie. But I'm telling you, he's an unusual person. In the back of, yonder back in Genesis, he had no beginning and no end. Unique. 
Jesus is a high priest just like Melchizedek. No beginning, no end. Is everybody with me? Now, I'm not here to discuss and I'm not trying to teach you all about the high priest of Melchizedek. That's not my goal this morning. I'm just saying that Jesus is just like him. Okay, now we've got to keep going. Watch this. Uh, verse number 9. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Now look up here. Jesus Christ is the author of eternal salvation. Somebody say amen. If you obey Jesus, that's, you have the potential to have eternal life. Excuse me, did we just read that in the Holy Bible? Now, some people got it in their brain going, oh, yeah, I got to obey Jesus. I got to do everything he said or I won't get to go to heaven. That's not really how it says it. What well, it says, it says you got to obey Jesus. But we know that you cannot live good enough to get to heaven. You can't obey enough rules to get to heaven. Well, what does it mean to obey Jesus? That means to obey what Jesus defined to be forgiven. How did Jesus say that you must be forgiven? Well, the only way you can be forgiven is by faith. You can't live good enough to be forgiven. You have to trust Christ to be forgiven. He's the author, so I guess he could make the decision how it goes. Amen? All right, we got to keep going. Time out. I already know, some of you are actually listening, you're going, what's this got to do with the race and who's us? I appreciate you asking, I'm getting ready to tell you. <laughs> some of you don't think like that, you're just absorbing whatever happens, you're just going down the river, but some of you actually were thinking, so I just wanted to put it in your head. Here we go. Uh, what verse were we just do? Uh, thank you, we did verse 9, verse 10. Called of God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. There he is again that Jesus is the author and he's called of God after Melchizedek. Verse 11, this is so good. Of whom, let's talk about Jesus, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull <laughs> of hearing. Mercy. The Apostle Paul is writing this book to Hebrew people that they have been partakers of the heavenly calling. And he said, I, I got a lot of stuff to tell you about Jesus. I got lots. There's a lot of things to be uttered about Jesus. Lots. But it's hard to tell you. And some people are, yeah, man, it's really hard. Some things in Christianity, some about doctrine, some about theology, it's really hard to understand. That's not why he said it was hard. Look what he, look at this. He said, of whom we have many things to be, verse 11, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered. The reason they're hard to be uttered? Seeing ye are dull. <laughs> I want to tell you this stuff, but duh, you're dull. I thought that was a unique way to tell someone, I want to tell you something that's really important and it's good. I got a lot of stuff to tell you, but you're dull. <laughs> Can't tell you. So in my head, I was just thinking about this. I wonder if these people that Paul wrote to, these Hebrew people, are they the only ones that ever were dull? Or do you reckon we've still got some around today? 
dull. <laughs> Here we go. Watch your Bible. Verse number uh, 11, uh, verse 12 says, For when, for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. Time out, time out, time out. Time out. I, 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 maybe you're not with me. I, I'm going to take you. Watch, watch. If you get born it again, if you receive the heavenly calling, you get the jersey. You got the number. You're on the team. He said, the time now, ye ought to be teachers. He said, you've been one of these believers long enough that you should have made some progress. And maybe you're missing it. Remember the metaphors about the race? If the ra- in the race, you're supposed to like be going forward, making progress. He said, the time you ought to be teachers... You're not. You have need that one teach you the first principles again. Because you're dull. Everybody with me? I send the Holy Bible. Dull. You have not made the progress you should have. You're dull. Watch your Bible. Verse 12. You have need that one teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. Watch what the Bible says. And are become such as have need of milk and not strong meat. Everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are full age. Even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now look up here. He said, you, you receive the heavenly calling. You should have made progress. But you still need milk. Because you are a baby. Baby. No meaty. Only milky. Because you're a baby. Since we're talking about it, I'll just go ahead and say it out loud. I have never met the Christian, never met the Christian that's been a Christian for 10 years, 5 years, and walked up and said, uh, Brother Dave, I just want you to know, I'm still a babe. I can only do milk, okay? Don't be doing that meat stuff. I can't handle it. No, almost every Christian I've ever met goes, I'm making progress, baby. I am down here. I am doing good. Bring on the hamburger. I can do it. I've never met the Christian. Please don't do that. I'll just take some milk. I'm a baby. Christians won't admit it. But since we're talking about it, let me just ask. Is it probably true today that there are some Christians that have not made the progress they should have? Here's the point. Let us run the race. Even, you're a believer, you got the jersey, you got the number, you haven't made the progress you should have, you've not proceeded like you should have, you need to get going. Now here's what's going on in my head. 
What would cause a person that got the jersey, got the number, what would cause them to get out of the race and come and sit on the sidelines? I just can't handle this. Excuse me. I'm just asking, are there Christians still today that are not making progress? I call it they're on the sidelines. They're supposed to be out here, but they're over there. They are uh, dull. I, I don't know if you're catching this or not. Maybe you're a believer. Let me just ask you. Are you here? Or are you on the sidelines? Uh, Brother Dave, wake up. I am here. It's Sunday morning. I'm making progress. Well, since you brought it up, just because you came today doesn't really mean you're making progress. You could be in need of like a revival. You need someone to go, hey, hey, get back in the race. That's why I'm here. And some of you are going, that's why I ain't coming back. Excuse me, that's why I came. Let us run with patience a race. Us is Paul the Apostle. It is believers that are Jewish people, but it includes us too. But us is also us that are on the sidelines that are not making progress. They're not where they ought to be. You have by now you should, you should be a teacher by now, but you still need someone to give you milk. There's, there's all kinds of places on the race, isn't there? See, remember the race is a metaphor for uh, Christianity. And along the path, there are people that made it a little ways, and now they're on the sidelines. Some went a little further, and then they got off. Is everybody with me? Mercy. You don't know how much longer I really have left. <laughs> I was looking at the clock and I'm thinking, I've only been preaching about five, six minutes. <laughs> In my head. <laughs> what would cause a person to not make progress? You think it could be peer pressure? If they just don't want to put up with people at work and what they have to say to them or people in their family to say, hey, you don't have to be that dedicated. You don't have to go that nuts. You don't have to be like a fanatic. Is everybody with me? What would cause a person to get out of the race and get on the sidelines? Fear? I'm not able to do it. Other people do a lot better than me. I don't know why. I, I can't do what they're doing. There's no way. I can't. Is that what it is? Well, I tried it for a little while. It didn't work for me. It works for other people. It doesn't work for me. Isn't that, uh, isn't that a weird way to say, Jesus can help other people, but not me? If you say that, let me just look you in the eyeball and say this to you. You're dull. You're dull. 
because Jesus can even help you. Is everybody with me? No, no, no. Why did you get out of, why, why, what happened? Why are you not making the progress? Oh, it's just too hard. Oh, so you want a Christianity that's all downstream, downhill? Mm. 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 If you want the Christianity that's downhill, downstream, you need to come tonight and tomorrow night, and you'll be finding out, oh, this is like serious. No, I already know. Some of you are not coming back tonight. You're just going, you guys talk about whatever you want. I ain't coming. <laughs> it's funny that us preachers sometimes can hear your gears turning in your head. And some of you are going, you're just trying to get us to come back. Uh, duh. <laughs> That's why I'm here, like revival. See what God might do to us. Amen? Amen. You know what I've learned about getting in the race, being a partaker of the heavenly fruit? Everybody, everybody gets in the race the same way. Everybody gets in the race. Everybody gets the jersey the same way. No, 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 no. no. I love if somebody said this. They said, the ground at the foot of the cross is level. There are not some people that are closer to Jesus and other people. It's level. It doesn't matter how wicked you are, you're at the same place that the religious person is, level. The ground at the foot of the cross is leveled, and if anybody is going to get the jersey, get the number, get on the team, be in the race, become a Christian, they will do it the same way, and they will be a partaker of the heavenly calling. When they understand that they're a sinner, and Jesus Christ is the Savior, and they say, please, Forgive me. I believe that you did die for me and you were buried, you rose again. I believe you're the Savior. Please save me. He's never, never turned down anybody. Everybody goes the same way. I love it. This morning, God knew you were coming and He knew I was too. And He knew that you needed someone to get in front of you and tell you you need to get in the race. Here's the last person who's us. Another one of the us's, let us run, is people that are not in the race. Biblically, it truly does. In the exposition of the text, it means those who are born again. But in application, there are people that are outside the stadium that have not yet received Christ. And I believe the invitation is wide open. Hey! Come on, join us. Be one of us. Trust Christ to be your Savior. Believe on Him. Whosoever will may come. I was talking about this very kind of illustration at a a church, uh, and this older man came up to me. He's an old fella. I'm telling you, he's an older man. He said, four years ago, Brother Dave, I wasn't in the race. He said, I was outside the stadium, And I could hear stuff going on in there, and I kind of wanted to be in the race, but I just didn't know how. He was an older fella. He was probably 60 years old. Just an old fella. 
And he said, but four years ago, I realized that Jesus Christ would forgive me too. And I trusted him to be my savior. He said, I've been in the race ever since. We all get there the same way. If you'll turn to Ephesians chapter 2, I'll show you. Isn't that exciting? (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. People go, oh yeah, I love that verse. (laughs) (laughs) Ephesians 2, look at verse number 8. For by grace are ye saved through faith. And that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Nobody is going to be walking on streets of gold in heaven saying, hey, you should have seen all the work I did to get here. No, everybody gets there the same way. By grace. Grace is free. If you have to pay for grace, it's really not grace. Grace is absolutely free. How do you get it? By trusting, by believing. Dependence upon Jesus Christ. Jesus, I believe you did die on the cross for me. Thank you. Would you forgive my sin? And he's never turned down anybody that have asked him in faith, please forgive me. This morning, I'm telling you, you can get the jersey. Amen. <laughs> you can get on the team. You can. I love it. Let me just say, do you have the jersey? No, here's the way. Do you know where you were when you, when you got the jersey? See, I say it like this. You know where you were. If you don't know where you were, you don't got the jersey. Well, I don't think you ought to say that. Well, I'm saying it. Don't tell me that you met Jesus Christ and that he forgave your sin and you don't know where you were. If you met some famous person, I don't know, Stephen Curry, if you met him, you would remember where you met him. And some of you go, I don't know who that is. Well, Kind of like Dave McCracken. <laughs> no, it's like meeting George Washington. That'd be weird. <laughs> meeting President Bill Clinton. George Bush. Obama. You would know where you were when you met him. You would probably be able to tell people the circumstances that led up to it. In Oklahoma, everybody's saved. Because that's just how it is. You walk up to somebody and say, are you saved? They go, oh yeah, I'm saved. They all know the terminology. I asked people, I said, if you die, do you know for sure you go to heaven? They go, oh yeah, I know that. I said, how do you know? I'm saved. Oh, okay. So then I had to learn in Oklahoma, you have to say, well, uh, how did you get saved? I prayed. There you go. So everything. So I, I've learned through the years that I would ask people, do you know for sure you're going to heaven? They go, yes. And I go, that is a hallelujah. Can you tell me how you know? And so they say the words, I got saved and I prayed. And then I go, can you tell me where you were? 
And many of them go, well, I don't know, I've just always known. I was talking to one man one time, he was a farmer. He said, I was down in Chickasha, Oklahoma, in the cotton patch. He said, I think I can tell you, the, I, think, I think I can take you to the row I was on when I got saved. I said, now that man, he's saved. <laughs> he knowed where he was. If you don't know where you were, friend, don't, don't just sit here and go, well, I, I thought I was okie dokie. No, you need to know when you're under conviction of your sin and you know that you're not going to heaven, you're in big trouble, and then you believe that Christ is the one that could save you, you will never forget that moment where you were when you asked Jesus Christ to forgive your sin. You won't forget it. You say, you're trying to get me to doubt? I'm trying to get you to know that you know. Today could be that day for you. It's happened hundreds of times that in a church service just like this, people have made their way forward and been on their knee and someone prayed with them and helped them and they were forgiven. They got the jersey. It's happened hundreds of times. If you don't know for sure you're saved, we want to help you. We won't embarrass you. You don't have to give a speech. But you do have to be honest enough to admit that you're not. And then be willing to say, you know, I'll take that step forward and let us pray with you and help you. We're not going to embarrass you. You don't have to give a speech. We'll pray with you and help you know you're on the team and you're forgiven. Some of you go, Brother Dave, I know exactly where I was when I got the jersey. I got the number. I know where I was. But have you made progress in your race? Maybe you need like a revival. Would you stand with me, please? Thank you for listening.